Happy Thanksgiving weekend. Um, my name is Anthony. I'm pastor here at Free Church. If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're joining us today. Um, I was uh, thinking as I was getting ready to come up, I'd ask Aubrey to, to close out this time of worship and prayer. So sometimes I'll come up here and, and pray, but I was just reflecting on my activities the last couple of weeks, and we are in a series right now called little kids, uh, big faith. And we've been looking at how as a church, we are for this generation that we believe that youth are the church of today. Um, Youth are our VIPs. They are our most fertile soil and they are our greatest evangelists and they are to be invested in by their elders. Uh, Last weekend, one of our assistant pastors, Paula Lehman, she talked about this little boy who brought his loaves and fishes to Jesus, and Jesus miraculously provided for thousands with just five loaves of bread and two small fish. And we're going to continue this idea, this theme today, and just my little reflection before I introduce what we're doing next is uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to visit um, her brother and and our sister-in-law in Southern California last Saturday, so a week ago yesterday, and we had the privilege of babysitting our three-year-old niece. And how many of you know three-year-olds know how to talk a lot? Um, regardless of their vocabulary, they, they say a lot. And so we got to drive her dad's big truck with her uh, to go pick up dinner, and she just started to talk. And as we were driving down the street, she said, when my daddy drives me to school, because she goes to preschool, she says, I pray all the time that we don't get into a car accident. And we just figured that this was something that her mom or her sisters must joke about, but as we discuss later with her parents, apparently this is something she had never said before, and so she was very concerned about her dad's driving, and she started to talk about prayer. And so as we were talking about prayer, we said, well, what is it that we pray about? What, what do we pray for? Who do we pray to? What's it all about? And this was her definition of prayer, again, little kids, big faith, this was her definition of prayer at three years old, but with no one ever telling her the exact definition. She says, prayer is when I talk to Jesus and he comes to me. And that was just it. And I think that that's really the theme of of how uh, Aubrey led us in worship this morning, that prayer, that worship is when we talk to Jesus, when we sing to Jesus, when we pray to Jesus, and as a result, he comes to us. The beautiful part is, is that we talk about often, he, he's already here. He's always with us. He is always near us. But oftentimes, we just need to turn around from walking away from him and see that he's right there with us. And so I want to encourage you this morning that if you feel like you've turned away, if you feel like you've walked away from Christ, maybe that you've, you've taken a pause in your relationship with him or you haven't been as intimate with him in your friendship with God as, as you would like to be or as you know you're supposed to, I want you to know it's, it's never too late to just simply turn around. He's there. And so prayer, worship, is when you talk to him and he comes and he meets you exactly where you are. Um, Our little niece just started to spout off all sorts of thoughts after this about prayer and started to share all the things she was thankful for to Jesus. And and when we gather on Thanksgiving, whether you have to share it with your table or you just share it in your heart to God, sometimes it's hard to remember the things that we ought to be thankful for. 
But I want you to know we have, we have so much to be thankful for, even when it doesn't seem like it. God is doing things. God is working things out. God is doing things that we cannot see that we ought to be grateful for, first and foremost, our salvation. And so be encouraged today. Be thankful. Um, be in constant prayer. Be in worship because we have so much to learn from three, four, five, six, eight, ten, fifteen-year-olds that we need to be reminded of as adults daily. Um, I have a couple announcements for you, and then I'm going to um, call up some of our interns today. Um, because we're in this Little Kids Big Faith series, and because we are um, on this Thanksgiving week, and I've asked uh, some of our interns to come up and just share an encouragement with you. I told them that if they're in ministry someday and they're visiting a church and if they know you're there, sometimes the pastor of that church will say, just stand up and encourage people. And so I'm saying, be prepared for when that takes place. And so we have a couple of them this service and uh, the rest of them at 11 a.m. Just going to share an encouragement with the church body this morning. Uh, but I just have a few announcements before they do that. Uh, first of all, is it is now officially Christmas time. It is okay to listen to Christmas music. It is okay to decorate your house for Christmas. It's okay uh, to go shopping for Christmas gifts. It, these are all acceptable things for you to do now. And we, uh, our house is about halfway there. And so enjoy Christmas season. So as a result of Christmas season, just a couple things. Next week we start a two-week series called Christmas Giving. We're going to be looking at how we can live a truly generous lifestyle uh, the week after that, December 18th, and this is what's really important, on Sunday, December 18th, we're going to be having what's called a free generation Christmas service, and that is where some of our children and our youth and our young adults will be uh, leading us in worship, actually performing a, a skit. We haven't done a skit at Free Church, I don't think, since I've been pastor for the last 13 years, so this will be our first, our debut little Christmas skit, just because we can. And then we'll have an encouraging message for you that week. And so Sunday, December 18th, um, Free Generation Christmas is that particular Sunday. And then on Christmas Eve, so because Christmas is on a Sunday, we do not have church on Christmas Sunday. You say, well, that's why we have Christmas. And I understand, but I've done this a couple times. People don't go to church on Christmas Sunday. They should, but they don't. And so we're having Christmas Eve services, because that's traditionally when people come together and worship in churches, is for Christmas Eve. And so on Saturday, December 24th, uh, we have Christmas Eve services at 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. So 3 p.m. and 6 p.m., December 24th, be a one-hour kind of traditional Christmas Eve service. And so if you think of kind of like candlelight services maybe you went to as you were growing up, it'll be similar to that. And we have, right after our 3 p.m. service, kids' activities, um, that will last for an hour. They have different crafts and snacks and some fun things for kids that you're, uh, you, you can go with them uh, as parents. And then before the 6 p.m. service, if you're coming to the 6 p.m., bring your kids an hour early for crafts and activities and things like that, and then have them join you in the service at 6 p.m. So two services on Christmas weekend. And then last little holiday announcement is that means New Year's is right around the corner. And so on Sunday, New Year's Day, so on January 1st, 2023, uh, we're going to have one service that weekend, uh, Sunday night at 6.30 at the Ike Box in downtown Salem. So Sunday night, 6.30 at the Ike Box, that's the only service we're having on New Year's weekend, and that's been a real big turnout every time we have that service. Um, we have one tonight 
as Nathan mentioned, so join us tonight at 6.30. But our next one will be on January 1st, 6.30, no services that Sunday morning. So with all that to be said about Christmas time, I want to introduce um, some young people this morning that want to just encourage you. And so give them a hand as they come up, and I'll, I'll call up um, my son Zion. He's going to just share an encouragement with you real quickly. And when he's done, um, he is going to have his fiance, uh, Abby, uh, come up and share with you here in just a second. Can you hear me? There we are. Okay. Hi, guys. So I am Zion. As you know, I'm an intern here at Free Church, and I'm here to give you a little encouragement on my favorite Bible verse. Um, my favorite verse of the Bible is 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It's a really short one, but it, it, mean, it says a lot in what it says. It's simply 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. And so I want to break down what rejoice means. Rejoice means to feel or show great joy or delight. And this is showing us that we need to find joy in every situation and find our delight in that. And we can find it in God. And uh, another verse that's very close to it in uh, layout and where it's at is 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I didn't plan this according to it being Thanksgiving weekend, but it worked out really well because uh, this week we had a day to remember everything we're thankful for. But as we're going out, we need to not forget to be thankful. And so when you're going out into your lives this week, I want you to find things to be thankful for and find things to rejoice over. Rejoice and feel joy and uh, show it um, whenever you see anything good happen and look for things that are good and celebrate them. And give thanks to God because he gives so much. If you are watching for what he's given to you, then you'll find a lot more. And you want to be able to give thanks to him for that because, I mean, if someone gives you something, it's polite to thank them. <laughs> and God gives so much that we really need to be giving lots of thanks to him. And so I would just say rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances. Thank you. Hey guys, my name is Abby. I am an intern here at Free Church, and I would also like to give you an encouragement. Um, I would like to um, encourage you on the subject of guilt. Um, I know this is definitely a hurdle I have struggled with. It's something that has prevented me from fully surrendering to God, and that is why I would like to share this with you. Um, there's a verse that I have um, as well. It is Psalms 85.2. It says, you forgive the guilt of your people. You covered all their sin. This is a verse that was written as a reminder about God's people and how they were forgiven but forgot. So as, we, uh, as they sing to God, they remember about God's forgiveness. Um, the Hebrew word for forgive is to lift up a burden and take it away. Um, so I'm going to break this verse down just uh, real quick. Um, when it says, you forgive the guilt. Guilt, obviously, is a weight that can weigh you down and crush you. And I know how that feels. Um, but God lifts. He bears and carries it away. 
and um, that is something that is very important to me because I constantly forget about um, about how God can just lift up your burden and carry it away because I tend to dwell in my guilt, um, and that is something you shouldn't do. Um, to continue, it says, you forgave the guilt of your people. There's a difference um, of saying people, just people, and saying those are my people. But if we are in Christ, he calls us his people. So to continue again, you forgive the guilt of your people. You covered all their sin. The word covered pictures a person who is exposed with all their sin to see. But God covers us. He clothes us in righteousness so we can stand before him unashamed. Thank you. So when you find yourself weighed down by guilt and your sin exposed, I encourage you to read this verse, Psalms 85 too. Um, and remember that God forgives. He covers your sins. He loves you and claims you as his own. Thank you. Great job, guys. Um, super encouraging, actually. And I said, just come up and encourage people. That's exactly what they did. So I was encouraged. So proud of um, our young people here at Free Church and um, excited to hear what some interns have to share at 11. So um, if you have a Bible, if you could turn with me to, um, I'm going to look at Luke chapter 1, and you may recognize Luke 1 and 2 as the Christmas story. Um, not the one where the boy shoots his eye out with a BB gun, uh, but the original Christmas story, uh, Luke 1 and 2, typically is where we go to read that. And then, of course, Matthew 1, we find some context as well. But we're going to look at this story from the lens today of little kids' big faith, and we're going to look at an account of a, uh, a girl, a woman, a young woman, a female, who we don't typically consider to be a kid, let alone a little kid, but by today's standards, that's exactly what we would call her, and that is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was somewhere between the ages of 12 and 14, 12 and 14 years old. And so when we have these different accounts or plays or movies of Mary, sometimes we cast very older women as this role, but, but she was literally, in our culture, what we would call a child, um, a little kid, a little kid with very great faith. So Luke 1 verse 26 says this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And so Luke, this writer of the gospel, as he's compiling the account of the story of Jesus' life, he says in the sixth month. This is now talking about the sixth month of a woman named Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, likely a first cousin or a first cousin once removed of Mary. She is an older woman who longed for a child with her husband, and they were visited by God foretold that they would have a son, and his name would be John, who we know as John the Baptist. And so this woman who struggled in fertility is now in her sixth month of pregnancy. And so he says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel 
is sent to the city in Galilee called Nazareth. Gabriel is one of only three angels ever named in Scripture, um, likely to be of, of high notoriety amongst God's heavenly host. God sends this personal messenger to this city of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, the reason that's important is, is so many things, but I just want you to know, when you think of Nazareth, it was a small town. So if we were reading this in the Salem metro area today in the year 2022, we might say something like, Gabriel was sent to um, the, the small, insignificant, little, tiny town of Sublimity, or Fall City, or West Staten, um, the hood, or, you know, wh where, wherever, uh, it may be just a small town, insignificant, and you can visit this town, Nazareth, today, it is still a small town, but it is highly compact and very tight streets. I know Susan and Brian and I, we walk through the streets of, of Nazareth, and it is uh, incredibly small, uh, but incredibly difficult to walk through. And so this is the town where this angel, Gabriel, was sent to. And this town was in the region of Galilee in Judea, and it was here that this land was occupied, modern-day Israel, occupied by the Roman Empire. And so in the scale of the Roman Empire, Nazareth was a very, very, very small and insignificant place that was about to be a city which would essentially overtake the entire Roman Empire, let alone the world, through the baby that would be born um, from a descendant of this town and live there himself. So in verse 27, it says, this angel Gabriel, he is sent to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and this virgin's name was Mary. So young girls in this day and age in, in ancient Israel and in the Near East, young girls were often chosen by the parents of a young man to marry their son starting at the age of 12. So imagine, if you will, if you got to choose your son's wife. Imagine, if you would, that some guy's parents got to choose you as some kid that you didn't even know's wife. This was not necessarily how God ordained things, but this is just how the culture worked within marriage within these regions. And so the parents of a son would pick a girl for their son to marry. And once selected, this couple was betrothed. It's similar to engagement, um, but this engagement lasted a year. It was not consummated until marriage, and it could not be broken off unless there was a legal divorce. And so this 12-year-old, at the oldest 14-year-old girl, Mary, is now betrothed to this young man, Joseph. And they're from this small town of Nazareth. Now, it's important that she is engaged to this young man, Joseph, because Joseph is a descendant of King David who lived a thousand years before, and the Jewish people were expecting a Savior. They were expecting a Messiah to come from the line, the lineage, the heritage of David, and so the marriage with this man, Joseph, would make the child of this virgin a descendant of David through marriage. It's debatable whether or not Mary herself was a descendant of David. We could talk about that for weeks. Uh, but we know for certain that Joseph was, and this makes Jesus fit into the narrative of prophecy that people were expecting. And so in verse 28 of chapter 1, it says, 
the angel came to Mary, to this girl, and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Similar to what God spoke to Gideon hundreds of years before. O mighty man of valor, God is with you. Here to this 12-year-old girl, greetings, your favor, God is with you. God favors this 12, 13, 14-year-old girl. God is with her. God loves kids. God is with kids. God favors kids. God calls kids. God has a purpose for kids. God orchestrates kids' lives to fit within his plans. It says she was greatly troubled at the saying. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, you might think, oh, I would love to see an angel. How wondrous it would be to have this beautiful, transparent skin, female figure with flowing blonde hair and a white robe glowing with the glory of God with a, oh, just come and just like embrace me as a small child. How wonderful would it be? But not once in the Bible is anyone pleased to see an angel. Everyone is terrified to see an angel. Now, there is some description of angels within Scripture that show that they did take on human appearance. There is some uh, descriptions of angels or spiritual beings that inhabit the presence of God that you just don't want to see. They're terrifying. We don't know what Gabriel looked like. I believe in context here. He likely comes in the form of man, but either way, There is something about angels that makes you know that they are angels. The second that you see them, you're terrified of them. And the reason you're terrified of them is probably because you think you're about to die. She likely is thinking this is a bad omen. What is this angel here to do? Uh, In the, the Jewish culture and tradition, they often thought that an angel would actually carry the soul of a dead body to the place of the dead, Sheol, And so this is very much likely what Mary is thinking is, I'm only 12, I'm betrothed to be married, and I'm about to die. So verse 30, the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. A little late for that. Okay. Don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. This idea of finding favor with God, if you could think of it this way, Mary, don't be afraid. God is smiling at you. God takes joy in you. God is pleased with you. Now, we don't know why Mary is favored to God. Um, I believe it's strongly suggested that this is just God's beautiful grace on this young girl's life. God chose Noah to save the world. God chose Mary to save the world. God chose Moses to save Israel. Oftentimes, the people God chooses, it is not because they are special people, because all people are special. It is just because God sovereignly chooses them and shines his grace upon them. Now, Catholics would say the reason that she is chosen is because she is sinless. And and while I don't want to disparage Catholics, I would say no one is sinless. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. If Mary was sinless, then she didn't need a Savior, but she very much needed a Savior that she was about to give birth to. God doesn't choose Mary because Mary is sinless. He chooses Mary because he favors Mary and shows her grace. Verse 31, it says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name 
Jesus. Jesus, by the way, it means God saves. Jesus will be great. Jesus will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give Jesus the throne of his father, David. And Jesus will reign over the house of Jacob, that's Israel, forever. And of Jesus' kingdom, there will be no end. See, Mary is not a normal virgin, is she? This is not going to be a normal pregnancy. And this baby that she is about to have is not going to be a normal baby because the angel says that this baby is forever. He will reign forever over a kingdom that will last forever. The son of the most high. So in verse 34, Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? You see, she understood the birds and the bees. She knew, I'm a virgin. I've never had sexual relations with anyone. I'm only betrothed to be married. I'm a young girl. How can I be pregnant? I'm a virgin. Now, now some people will look at this verse and say, look at Mary's doubts. Look at her lack of faith or rebellion. But that's not what these things are at all. This is just a question and a very legitimate question at that. How many of you... Uh, as a 12-year-old girl, if an angel visits you and says, I know you're a virgin, but you're going to get pregnant, you're about to give birth, how many of you would be like, oh, I understand. I get it. You're like, wait a minute. How can this be? I am a virgin. You see, this is a question asked by a young girl that's a legitimate question, but I would call it a question of wonder. I'm going to be pregnant? I'm only a virgin. And so verse 35 says, the angel answered Mary and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. If you didn't just catch on, the entire Trinity is listed in his answer. She just says, I'm a virgin. How am I going to get pregnant? Oh, let me tell you about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The power of the Most High, the Father, will overshadow you. The child that you will give birth to will be the Son of God. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, just as they were in creation, are involved in this miraculous event. And I think we could all agree, this is a lot for a 12-year-old girl to take in. Most 12-year-olds are just discovering their first TikTok account. And, And this girl here is like, oh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are going to be involved in my immaculate conception, and I will give birth to the Son of God. No big deal. This is a big deal. It is a lot to soak in. Verse 36. Behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, Elizabeth had to have loved that, and she's reading that in paradise today, she has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her pregnancy of a woman who was called infertile, a woman who was called barren, a woman who had fertility issues. 
If you're having trouble believing that you, a virgin, can get pregnant, just think of your old, decrepit cousin Elizabeth, far beyond the age of childbearing. She, too, is six months pregnant. Mary would actually, immediately after this event, go and visit Elizabeth and see for herself that she, yes, indeed, was pregnant. And Mary would stay there until the birth of Elizabeth's son, John. Verse 37 is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. But I want to go back to Mary's question in verse 34. How will this be? How will this be? And I want you to think about some of the how will this be's in your life. God promised me this. How will this be? God said this, but how will this be? I'm in this situation. How will this be? And the angel says, oh, how will this be? This is going to happen this way. For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. How many of you have ever thought to yourself, this is impossible? This situation, this circumstance seems impossible. My marriage seems impossible. It seems impossible that we will ever have children. It seems impossible that I will ever finish this program. It seems impossible that I could ever stay sober, clean. This seems impossible. But the angel says, hold up, Mary. Nothing will be impossible for God. So how would she respond? What will Mary say? Verse 37, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Nothing's impossible with God. Okay, I'm his servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What would you have done at 12? What would you have done at 40? What would you have done at 30 or 70? Most of us would have been like, is there a choice? Because I'm out. Most of us would protest. Don't you know that um, I'm not a 12-year-old girl, but if I was, I would have had to have been dragged kicking and screaming to go along with this plan. Most of us would refuse such an assignment, but not this little kid with big faith. Her response was, I am a servant. What if every command that God gave in his scriptures, as you read them, you just said, behold, I'm a servant. What if every word the Lord gave to you in a vision or a dream or a prophetic word or a word of knowledge or wisdom was, behold, I'm your servant. What if every need that you saw in the world, you just said, behold, God, I'm your servant. Let it be to me as you have said. You see, you may see yourself as small. You may see yourself as from a small town with not much to give. You might see yourself as not old enough to make an impact. You might see yourself as too old to make a difference. Many of you 
I like what Abby had to share because a lot of you think that you are too far gone for God to use. But nothing is impossible for God. And if God desires to use you, whether it's to give birth to his son or to help your neighbor, choose big faith. Choose the faith of a child. Choose I am a servant of the Lord. Choose let it be as you have said. So just like Mary, God sees you. God is with you. And God wants relationship with you. And the child that Mary would carry for nine months would make that possible, to have relationship with God. And so when God offers you relationship with him, through the child of this virgin, Mary, Jesus, the Son of the Most High. When God offers you this relationship, this gift of grace received in faith, what ought we to say? I'm your servant, God. Let it be so. I am your servant. Let it be so. Aubrey, you can come up and get ready to lead us in this last song. But if, if you could bow your heads and Close your eyes, close your eyes just in an attitude of reflection and prayer. Even if you're watching online now, you put down any distraction and, and, and focus in on what the Lord would like to do in you. Little kids, big faith. Some of you may be thinking, I am too big. I'm not a little kid anymore. God's passed over me. I'm not in my prime any longer. What can, what can God do with me? If God can make a 12-year-old virgin in a small town in a remote corner of the Roman Empire be pregnant with, carry, and give birth to his son. God can do anything with you, regardless of how old you are. Some of the greatest encouragement I ever receive is from what society would call old people. I think oftentimes as we grow big, our faith gets small. Sometimes, by God's grace, as we grow old, I think in our old age, we start to regain a little bit of our young age faith. So I desire the faith of a child. I desire the faith of someone who's 90. But it's in between that we struggle. And a lot of, I'm sure, old people struggle with their faith and young people struggle with their faith as well. But as we've made clear throughout this entire series, Jesus said, if you want to enter into my kingdom, you must become like one of these, one of these 
small children. So you can't enter the kingdom unless you have the faith of a child. And so he says, let the children come unto me. And our goal, once again, is not to grow old in our faith. Our goal is to grow young in our faith again. So what faith do you need to recapture today? What is it about your quote-unquote maturity and status and old age that you actually need to lay aside so you can pick up childlike faith again? Where does your heart need to go in order to pray in the car like my three-year-old niece? Just thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for this. God, help my dad not get into a car accident while I'm in the back seat. God, when I pray to you, you come to me. That's the kind of faith I want. The kind of faith I have sometimes get in, gets in the way of the faith that my three-year-old niece has or my two-year-old child had. I long for younger faith. Throughout Western culture, we tell tales and legends of the fountain of youth and what if the real fountain of youth was found as we drink in the presence and power and moving of the Holy Spirit and our faith grows young? That's, that's our goal. That's our desire. So if you're listening or watching or here with us today and you'd say, I want relationship with God. I want you to know, like Mary, God sees you. He's calling you. He wants relationship with you. You're made in his image. He loves you. He created you himself. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Despite your sin, you're still favored by God. And God shows his favor on you by giving his son who would give his life and who would raise from the dead. And through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. Most importantly, our relationship with God restored. His spirit given to us and granted to us everlasting life. And he gives it for free. It costs him everything. And he freely gives it. It's called grace. And we must receive in faith and trust and surrender and behold I am your servant let it be to me as you have said so if that's you if you want to surrender become a servant of God receive in faith the free gift of salvation I would just encourage you in your own words to begin to call out to God God save me forgive me come to me fill me give me life Jesus himself said, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That whosoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. Would you choose to believe this morning? Paul says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Would you confess today that Jesus is Lord? You might say, well, I have a lot of issues to take care of. Me too. I have a lot of things to figure out, me too. I don't have my stuff in order, neither do I. 
my life's not put together. No, it's not. And that's the point. It's God that puts it together. And when we trust in him, he brings us to where he wants us to be daily. So surrender your life to Christ. He's the only hope we have. If you say, hey, I know Jesus. I've surrendered my life to him. I really want to encourage those who feel like your opportunity, your prime has passed and you're too old or too far gone or too forgotten to accomplish or to have the promises of God revealed to you that you knew as a child. And I want to encourage you today, push back, push back in. Turn back around. It's not too late. You're not too old. And if you're young, man, you, you have so much to be grateful for. Your best days can be in front of you, not right now. They can be in front of you. Hold on to the faith that you have and don't be discouraged when the enemy tempts you to let it go. Keep moving forward. God favors you. He's calling you. He wants to bless you. Can you guys stand as we pray? God, as we reflect on this story that's tied in with this holiday season that we're entering, God, thank you for choosing what the world sees as young and small and insignificant to make global impact. God, thank you that with just a small declaration of faith that the world can be changed. God, as Mary said yes to you, may we also say yes to you with every request that you make towards us. Behold, we are your servants. Let it be Lord, we surrender to you. God, we pray for the faith of children. We pray that we would look to our children and raise them up in the ways that you want them to go. And that we would protect them from the enemy, the world, and their own flesh. So that they can grow to be exactly who you're molding them to be as we grow old. God, let our faith grow young. In Jesus' name. As we sing, uh, we'll have some people up front that would love to pray for you here. Um, as we dismiss today, we'd love to stay and pray if you need prayer for anything today. Uh, we'd love to meet you here in this time of faith. And um, Nathan will come up and dismiss you here in a moment. Uh, but I hope to see you tonight at 6.30 for a night of worship this Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, let's press in during this closing song in this time of prayer.